Welcome to the Empowered Essence Podcast, where we liberate you and empower you to let your soul lead the way in life and business. I am your host, Laura Lawrence, sharing my thoughts and intimate conversations with featured guests on human design, energetics, and spirituality to provide you with the tools you need to tap into your most authentic self. I am here to empower you to walk away feeling ready to live your most expansive and purposeful life. Let's dive in. Welcome everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Empowered Essence. I have an incredible guest here with me today. It is Brittany Schmidt. She is an intuitive real estate agent and a spiritual mentor. So Brittany and I actually met, well, we probably knew of each other for about a year now. And my real estate, or sorry, my mortgage broker kept talking about Brittany and saying, you know what, she's such a great person. You know, I I feel like you guys have very similar energy. You should totally meet her. And I guess Julia was saying the same thing to you. And and we knew each other through social media, but we didn't really come together until Julia bought you a Reiki session with me. And that was like, that was our first time of like really getting together and connecting. And since then we've just created such a beautiful, beautiful friendship and Brittany's also a one, three projector. So the fact that Julia was so intuitive <laughs> to know that we were both one, three projectors, of course, we have the same energy. Of course, we have the same vibes. So I love that. So I'd love to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to the audience of Empowered Essence. Well, thank you for having me. I'm honored. Uh, definitely not shocked that Julia picked up on our projectorness. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. I guess to chat a little bit about myself. I've been a realtor now for since 2016, but actively full-time since 2018. And at first I recognized that I was very different from most in the sense that I focused a lot on like the people and the energetics of the transactions that I was performing and the houses themselves more so than like the actual financial piece of it. Like I would walk into a house and I'd be like, Oh, I don't really like the way it feels in here. And my clients would be like, what? And then, you know, we'd find out six months later that the house had a massive leak and the person that bought it went through a number of different issues and it was just a terrible purchase. And my intuition was coming into play. And it took me a while to really like recognize and lean into what was happening because I was going through a lot. I had just had my second child And I was very busy switching from my full-time career at Sun Life to my full-time career as a realtor. But I can say that I've been intuitive my whole life. When I was a little kid, I used to get made fun of for sitting in a tree at lunch and hugging a tree (laughs) for my entire lunch or even like sensory things, different things, different people I would avoid. Um, I never wore jeans until I was in high school because I didn't like the way they felt on my skin. (laughs) So I guess I'm neurodivergent or whatever that means. But where the intuition came into play was uh, always knowing what other people were thinking prior to them even opening their mouths. So like my mom, for example, was also very intuitive and she, you'd meet her for five seconds and you'd tell her her, your whole life story in like the grocery line and you had no idea why. And so I started doing the same thing inadvertently, not realizing I'd have teachers tell me their whole life story, um, very adult-like in a child's body, which was odd. But I would say my first spiritual experience with mediumship was probably when I was five. My grandfather passed away and I remember being in the elevator going up to drop my grandma off at her apartment after the funeral. And I went to hop out of the elevator and I turned to the elevator and I was like, 
goodbye, Papa. Cause he was still standing in the elevator, even though everyone else got out and I saw him like clear as day, he was still there and everyone got really upset with me. So I, of course, shoved all of my intuition and everything down like many of us do and didn't really resurface it openly until I was in my 28th year, which is when my mom passed away. She had a heart attack at our buck and doe. And obviously like my entire life really changed in that moment. And uh, the day she passed away, actually, I had my first, I'll say like relapse of intuition. I don't know what you would call that. Uh, I had the urge to go to her house at like 7.30 in the morning, the day of our buck and doe. My husband and I had gone to do garage sailing and we were driving past her house. And I was like, Dave, we have to stop. We're just going to stop here for a bit. And we stopped in for two and a half hours. And had I not done that, it would have been the last day of her life. And I would have missed those two and a half hours if I hadn't listened to my intuition and just pulled the car over, even though she was sleeping. It was 7.30 in the morning. So I kind of squirreled there. (laughs) Basically, I've been intuitive my whole life, uh, how it relates to my business. I use it in everything that I do now. I listen to it in everything that I do. It comes in when it comes to working with clients. There's been clients that I've respectfully refused to work with because I had a feeling about the situation, um, knowing in my gut that it just wasn't going to be a good transaction for them or me. Uh, Also, a lot with the houses, the energetics of the homes. My own home actually had an entity in it at one point. Um, Not that anyone passed away here, just some yucky attachments to the previous owner. So feeling those feelings, allowing yourself to trust your intuition, I really think is very important, especially being a projector. Like You have to trust your intuition because what you say to people is basically your gospel in in a sense and with projectorness. I think that I... have always been intuitive. I've just more actively been using it in the last like four to six years. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I just love listening to you talk. Uh, <laughs> so when you talk about this like projectorness. That is you in your power. Like when you, you, you go off on these tangents all the time and all I, the time, <laughs> that's, that's that projectorness. Like you're projecting out like your thoughts, your visions, your, the things that are on your mind. And that is so characteristic of us as projectors. And that's nothing to apologize for. (laughs) We're like, but it's so good. I'm so captivated all the time. There's always a divine reason why we share the things that we share. And when we're in safe spaces that we're invited into like this one, of course, I want you to share. So thank you so much for sharing this with the audience. I want to dive in so much into all of this. Um, but I would say like, I, I think one of the things that I totally relate to is just like this intuitive knowing, um, Mm -hmm. and as a projector as well. Like, so, so you were talking about with your grandfather, I actually had a very similar experience. My grandfather passed away when I was in grade eight and that Thanksgiving before he passed away, we were all up at the cottage. And for whatever reason, I was bawling my eyes out that weekend Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I couldn't explain why I didn't know why. And it was the last time our whole family was, was at the cottage together. That spring of the following year is when he passed away before we started going up to the cottage. And I've just had this intuitive knowing, um, I haven't seen spirit. That's not, that's not one of my gifts, but this intuitive knowing I think is something very characteristic of, um, of projectors for sure. So absolutely it, it is. And I find too, like, I've always had some of the Claire's, but more recently, I I basically have all of them and it can be very overwhelming. Like sometimes I almost wish I 
just had the knowing because then you, you could kind of narrow it down. It does create a little bit of chaos in your mind sometimes. And almost like that imposter syndrome where you're like, am I actually feeling this? Or is this my logical brain that's talking? Or is it my intuition? Like it makes it a little more difficult. I find to decipher, is this a knowing in my intuition or is this something that I've made up in my mind? So, you know, of course, with media, the way that it is, sometimes spirituality is conveyed as being crazy. So, you know, those limiting beliefs kind of come up for me when I'm thinking about what I'm experiencing. But I was sharing with you earlier before we got on the call the other night, I had this four o'clock in the morning, woke me up out of a dead sleep, heard a ping pong ball in my ear, dropping on the ground, hitting it as hard as it could talked to my dad the next day. And I was like, Hey, I think this had something to do with you. Like, can you just verify, did something happen around four o'clock in the morning? Cause my dad is diabetic and he really has a hard time with his sugars and keeping on top of them. Uh, he's a needle diabetic. So he dropped his needle at four o'clock in the morning. And he said that the sound it made when it hit the ground was not traditional of a needle. It was because his vial was empty. So it made a ping pong like sound. And he could not believe that from 25 kilometers away in the middle of the night while I'm asleep, I heard it and knew it. So those are the kinds of things that I use to reaffirm and kind of get out of my head about the limiting beliefs I have sometimes around my intuition. It's like, no, I heard it clear as day. I felt it like I knew that it was for him because my dad actually used to play competitive ping pong. So it all made sense. It was related to him. So on your point about the knowing, you know, as much as it may be intimidating to lean into the gifts, I really do think it would be a disservice to the world to not share them simply because you're afraid of what others might think, or even what your own limiting beliefs create for you. Like if we can get out of our heads enough to really lean into that intuition, I think it's so beautiful to share. Yeah, it's truly a muscle. It's it's something that we need to build strength, build trust. Again, I had a similar experience. I was doing a Reiki session on my dad, and this was right after I became certified or, or I, I finished my level one and two Reiki. And I was doing um I was doing a session on him and I saw a blue jay. And so what I communicated to him was, I think birds communicate to you. I didn't say a blue jay. I just said, I think birds communicate to you. Literally the next morning, so this was at, at our cottage. So we were all, all there for the weekend. And the next morning, a blue jay comes and sits on the deck with us as we were having our coffee. And I said, oh my gosh, if this is not confirmation, it was just, it, it's basically spirit nudging me that I need to I need to share exactly what I hear, what I see, absolutely, what I know. Um, and oftentimes we, we're like, it means nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's about developing that trust. And and spirit always communicates to us. They always share different ways of reaffirming or confirming. And and it could be you hear a song on the radio that absolutely. confirms it. It could be through animals. It could be through birds. It could be through numbers. There's always some sort of communication that we get. Um, I know I see numbers and birds. Those are, those are my two things that I always see, but um, how would you describe? So we talked about this intuitive knowing, which is like this clear cognizance, like what, how would you describe your, your gifts? Like, how do you, do you see things? Do you hear things? That's a great question. <laughs> one that I've actually never been asked and a tough one to answer. So it depends on the person that I'm speaking to. So I do mediumship readings now. And I started that earlier this year, I took a course and she talked about all the different clairs and it took me a while to decipher which ones I actually felt I had. There's been mediumship readings where I've 
saw in my mind's eye, which I would describe as almost you've got your eyes open and you're consciously aware of your body, but you're having this little video playing inside your mind of what is going on or how to identify for this person who you're speaking to. So for that particular person, I saw like hair color, the shape of the person's body. I felt that person's energy, the way that they would speak, how they would come across. And I felt that one was a mixture between uh, clairvoyance, like seeing, I want to say that's the right one. I get them mixed up. (laughs) Uh, Clairvoyance and then the claircognizance, knowing how that person would come across in conversation. I even used some of the words that she would use. It's almost like a very gentle possession. (laughs) I'm not going to whip my head around and like puke green pea juice all over you or anything, but it almost becomes like a little bit of a tiny possession in a positive way. I don't know the proper term where you're reincarnating that person for whoever you're speaking to. But some of the readings are through text messages. So that part kind of gets lost in translation, except for the words that you're specifically using. I'd say the most interesting one for me was with that same reading. I actually smelt what the person smelled like, like it was cigarettes, booze, uh, and vomit. Like I could smell vomit and taste it in my mouth. But somehow I knew that the vomit that I was tasting was not the person who I was speaking about to vomit. It was someone else's vomit. Someone had thrown up in this person's mouth. It's really gross and very descriptive. I apologize for anybody. I probably should have put a trigger warning, but that's how it comes through for me is I can taste it. I can feel it. I can smell it. I can hear it. It's kind of sensory overload too, because I do have undiagnosed ADHD. So (laughs) it's a blessing and a curse. So I would say pictures when it comes to like the scene, definitely a lot of pictures, visions, they're very crisp, usually very clear. The the hearing part only happens every once in a while. I would say it's like the knowing, I hear words inside my mind, but it's not as if they're being spoken in my ear. It's as if they're being placed into my head as opposed to like spoken in and a hearing. I also do have very sensitive hearing uh, on the best of days. Like I have two kids that are six and eight and the biggest struggle I've had with that, with these extra gifts that I've been sharpening, I guess, recently is the sound. I simply cannot be in a crowded place because I can hear everything. Like literally you could have a conversation down the end of my house and I would hear exactly what you said, despite the fact that I had like headphones on. It's very bizarre. My husband gets a little freaked out by it. So I would, that's how I would best describe it is like that knowingness, but definitely the pictures, the taste, the smell. It's almost as if you're tasting it yourself. It's not quite as strong or as poignant in your face, but definitely you can taste it and smell it. And it's usually like cigarettes. I haven't had any perfume or flowers or anything like that. It was it was cigarettes and beer, alcohol, which I don't drink anymore. So it, I think that also heightens your ability to sense those things. Oh, I I totally agree. There's two. It's really, we are the energy type that is most sensitive to the things that we put in and on our body. So we are sensitive to perfumes. We are sensitive to the foods that we eat, the things that we digest, the creams that we put on our skin, all of those sorts of things where we are more sensitive than, than some of the other energy types. And it's really all about like being a clean vessel you know, green things that we eat, vegetables, all of those sorts of things. And it's not to say like not to drink alcohol or not to, you know, enjoy in a McDonald's meal or anything like that. But it's just knowing that the cleaner we eat, the more our gifts shine through. And absolutely. I'm so 
so glad you brought that up because I'm thinking about, I haven't been eating the greatest over the last couple months and I feel like it interferes with my gifts, but also how I feel on a daily basis. Like I will literally, if I have alcohol or sugar of any kind, I will wake up the next morning with a double chin. Like it will, my face will just explode. And my ankles too is where I notice it. It's almost like I swell. And when you talk about food sensitivities, I did like a little experiment and this past week have been eating really clean, really healthily. And it's incredible. The gifts, the energy, what I'm hearing, what I'm feeling. I saw my ankles for the first time today. (laughs) It's wild. Like it blows my mind how sensitive we truly are. And, you know, my dad has always told me my whole life that I've been sensitive, but I really underestimated the creams and everything else. I used to tell people, oh, I have really sensitive skin. No, I have sensitive everything, (laughs) literally everything. If I drink too much uh, sugar, my tongue will swell up. If I, eat too much sugar, my feet swell, like even my gastrointestinal tract, like depending on what I'm eating, it really can mess you up pretty good, which is part of the reason why I gave up alcohol and nothing to do with, you know, feeling like I was an alcoholic or anything. I just felt like when I started, I would go too far. I'd get too into it. It's almost like you feed off the energy of other people because I have a lot of open centers as part of my profile. So I know I was feeding off those other people's like energy in terms of the alcohol. And when I stopped, what I recognized was I was the same, whether I was drunk, except I wasn't throwing up. So that was great. Um, (laughs) The same with people, whether I was drunk or sober. So there was really no need for it because I feed off the energy of the room as opposed to the actual alcohol itself. So it's been interesting to observe and know about the projectorness and how you can apply it to your everyday things that you kind of wouldn't have shone light on otherwise. It's really interesting that you say about this, like sometimes we drink too much as projectors yeah. and it's really like in this fear of missing out. So yeah. we, we tend to be like the last people at the party because we're just like so excited by the energy that we feel. And yeah. it's like this like buzzing energy of like being around all these people. And then we regret it the next day because oh. it's like, oh my gosh, I'm back to my own energy. And we see I got nothing. The tank is empty because I've vomited and <laughs> it was my best friend's wedding for me. I was uh, her maid of honor and I got so sick. I had like a three or four day hangover, which has never happened. I mean, I'm like a bigger girl. I can handle my booze. So I thought, not really. I could, I could never handle it. Sick for like three or four days, and then I was like, you know what? This, this is dumb. Like I don't need this. I'm outgoing enough as it is. I don't require it. So if anybody who's listening has been thinking about potentially giving up alcohol, it is weird at first when you go to social gatherings and other people are drinking alcohol and you're not. But what I have found is it's actually had the opposite effect. Where by me not doing it, it's actually given other people that feeling of permission to not do it as well. And I find people don't get as carried away around me as they did before, but we're still having equally, if not more fun, because we can actually talk about it the next day and remember what happened. So if you have thought about giving it up for whatever your reasoning is, try it even just for like a month and a half, go through one or two of those awkward social gatherings and just see how you feel. I drink bubbly water, just makes me feel like I'm part of the crew. Like you said, fear of missing out, totally a thing for projectors try it. I don't know. Give it a shot. Yeah. I love it. I think, um, that sober curiosity is, has really sparked a trend in, in, in the world, in North America, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it's when I was pregnant, 
obviously I, you don't drink when you're pregnant. And that was kind of like my first time going to social gatherings and all of that, where I wasn't drinking. And that was kind of that confirmation that, Hey, I can do this. I don't, yeah. I don't you, you feel this pressure. Like I need to have a drink because that's what everyone else is doing. Yep. And when I was pregnant, it was kind of like this. Oh yeah, I, I can do this. I am the same person. Exactly what you were saying. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that's, I, I love that. Let's normalize not drinking. Cause I do find it strange how ingrained in society it's become, you know, somebody reaches out to you, they want to get together. It's either around food or drinking. What if we went for a walk instead? What mm-hmm. if we had a conversation that didn't require alcohol so that we can get deep? And that's the other thing I've noticed as a part and parcel of this. Obviously, relationships have changed. Friendships have changed, which has been challenging because of fear of missing out and fear of not being liked. I have really struggled with. But what I recognize is that those people that have dropped off I have made space for deeper connections, like connections with you, connections with Julia, like different people who I get on a soul level and get me on a soul level that I don't need to be inebriated to connect with. It's it's actually quite beautiful. And I think it would be very illuminating for people's lives if they if more people normalized it. I I encourage it. And again, I have nothing against drinking. I'm all for a good time. Obviously, like I was a bar star for the longest time. I do just think that like you said, sober curiosity, it's worth a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So what do you feel your soul's purpose is and, and why do you feel that way? I love that I put this as a question to ask myself in this podcast because I've been struggling really hard with it, with that identity piece, because I'm like, okay, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a realtor, and now I want to be this spiritual mentor as well. What does that look like? What does that mean? How can I incorporate all aspects of myself into one human? Because it feels like a lot, slightly overwhelmed for quite some time. I took my Reiki level two yesterday and it became crystal clear to me what my version of purpose is. I love talking. It's very evident (laughs) based on this podcast that I love to talk and I love conversations with people and I love hearing their side of the story, getting to know them, going deep really fast. And what I think my version of a soul purpose is, including Reiki, is everything is energy. So whether you're moving somebody's energy using your hands, whether you're moving somebody's energy moving your body, however you do it, It's an energetic movement. What I feel my purpose is, is simply to show up and leave people a little lighter than I found them. And I think that the gift for me is in conversation. When you were talking about being captivated by what I'm saying and how I tell stories, I truly think that that is my soul's purpose is to tell stories that are relatable to other people that make them feel seen, make them feel heard. All the things that are important to me as a projector, I feel are my soul's purpose, especially with real estate. I could not tell you how many times my clients have literally messaged me after we've been together doing their journey and been like, I miss you. This is weird. I miss not like, I'm not talking to you and this is strange. And I miss you that I feel that impact, that feeling of making other people feel recognized and seen and heard and special. That's what I feel my soul's purpose is how I'm going to do that. (laughs) That part I haven't quite entirely figured out. So if anybody has suggestions, please send them to Laura or me directly on social media because I would love to know, but I feel like it has something to do with public speaking for one. That has been on my manifestation list. And funny enough, at 10.30 this morning, somebody messaged me and asked me to speak at an event, which was really freaking cool, like manifestation unlocked. It's my last one for this year that I haven't hit yet. So I was like, yes, here we go. Even this podcast, again, total manifestation of wanting to like, 
be seen, be heard. It's my projectorness. I can't not be that way. <laughs> so I feel like those are ways that I would do it. Um, helping through real estate. Obviously, people feel seen and heard throughout the process. I hope um, that's the goal. And obviously, making the transaction as smooth as possible. It's a very vulnerable time for people when you've got strangers coming through your house or you're going through other people's houses and offering hundreds of thousands of dollars. That can be very nerve-wracking for people. So I feel like the gift of Gab is my purpose in life. And I will slowly but surely figure out exactly what that looks like. Yeah. You have, um, and so one thing about Brittany is she has a defined throat. She also has one of the storytelling gates also in her throat. So it's just, it is something that is just so, so natural to you. And it was interesting when, when I had done a Reiki session for you back in February, I guess it was, that was one thing that came through in that Reiki session is like, you are here to heal people with, with your words. Yes. And I just got full body chills. <laughs> I, I I truly believe that because, and, and Brittany's even done an intuitive reading from, for me as well. And just listening to her in that it was almost like, so it was an intuitive session, but it was almost a bit of a, a therapy session too. <laughs> and it was very cathartic. It was very healing. It was, you are just a very supportive person. Like just people just naturally want to listen to what you have to say. It's your projectorness. It's your defined throat. It's, it's all of it together, but it is, it is very beautiful that you really like tapping into that and stepping into that. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say, which is funny because when I look at all of the things that Laura does online and how she speaks in her posts, I'm like, wow, how does she use the exact word? Like I almost feel sometimes like your posts are specifically written for me, even though I know that they're not simply because of how you put them. And it's very interesting that we would both of course be projectors and seeing another projector in their space and in their lane of genius is just, I love it. I love all of it. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I've had a, an interesting journey with my words when I was in grade six. And this is, this is where like the conditioning all comes in. When I was in grade six, I remember I've always been a really good student and I always proud, like prided myself on being a really good student. But when I was in grade six, I got a C in writing and it was in writing and it was like, oh my goodness. And I created this story in my mind that I'm not a good writer. And, and that had been always something that stuck with me that I'm not a good writer. And it wasn't until I guess it was when my daughter was born, my firstborn, that I started writing a blog and people started being like, wow, you're such a good writer. And I thought to myself, what? I've never been a good writer. And so it took me doing that and sharing my voice through my writing that I could start slowly deconditioning. And that got me more comfortable writing social media posts, starting to speak, doing all of that. But it's, it's so interesting how we have these things from our childhood that just are so ingrained in us. And so I, when you say those words to me, like that, that means something that's very healing as well. (laughs) That was something that, that I held with me for a really long time, even in university writing papers, I I would always dread writing papers because I had this story in my mind about, I'm Mm -hmm. not a good writer. Isn't that wild? And the stories that we create too, like there's been a lot of stories that I've had come with me in my little backpack of trauma, we'll call it, uh, that I've been unpacking recently and kind of throwing in the trash. And one of them for me was that I couldn't sing. 
And for me, like singing with your throat being open, funny enough, my throat chakra has been acting up all day. I convinced myself that I wasn't able to sing. So when my daughters were born, I struggled because my mom used to sing, you are my sunshine to me and um, somewhere over the rainbow. And I absolutely loved the way that she sang. It was beautiful. She used to sing at people's weddings. She was thinking about going through school to become a singing teacher. And my dad also sang in plays. So I was like, I don't understand how I'm not a good singer because one time in high school, I sang in front of the entire class and I was scared shitless and I was shaking and my voice sounded heinous. Like it was awful. I convinced myself from that day forward that I couldn't sing. Yet every single person from that day forward that I've sang in front of has either said that I was like a decent singer or like a really good singer. And they're like, why don't you sing more? And I love karaoke, but I wouldn't go up on stage unless I was absolutely hammered to do karaoke because I was worried about what people would think about my singing. Well, how ridiculous is that? One, most of the people are drunker than I am. maybe. (laughs) And two, like who gives a rat's ass what other people think about the way that I show up in like the singing world. And what I realized was it was actually preventing me from singing to my daughters, which is like a sad state of affairs because those little girls deserve to be sang to. So what I started doing was making up songs because in high school, the other thing I used to do is I'd remix songs. Like I'd use their tune or whatever and I would make up my own words and they were hilarious. People would be crying, laughing on the floor because of all these songs that I would make up because basically I'm telling a story in a song, all projectorness, making it fun. So I started singing to my daughters and they begged for it every single night, please come sing me a song. I want you to sing me a song. And I thought, how could I possibly allow one person's view, maybe three or four people's view from high school, determine my worth and how I interact with my children who love me unconditionally, no matter what. Mm -hmm. So what I ask myself, and this is what I'm getting at the point of me bringing this up and piggybacking off of what you said, When I get down on myself and I feel a limiting belief start to come up, I will ask the question, is this reality? Is there any evidence of this? Or is this a story that I'm telling myself? Or is this a story that someone told me that I'm choosing to believe? Is it a story that you're telling yourself? Or is it a story that one person, because let's be honest, how many A's did you get, Laura? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. How many A's? I know it's like the one, the one thing that just like taints it. Right. And that's one thing that you focus on, that's all yeah. that you focus on is that one thing. And what you don't, what you don't see is all of the other amazing things. And, and this is society, right? Society I, tells us everything has to be perfect. Your Instagram feed has to be perfect. The way you interact with your family has to be perfect. The way you show up for your husband has to be perfect. The way you show up for your kids. What I have realized is that the more authentically myself, the more vulnerable I show up and the more, the less fake and the less like being held captive by all this perfectionism, Mm -hmm. it is so fucking liberating. And the other thing is it's liberating for other people by you showing up as your authentic self and writing the way that you do. I feel inspired on an almost daily basis. So if it counts for nothing else, let it count for that. But I can tell you right now, the listeners that are listening to this podcast likely feel the exact same way. And that one poopy teacher that you had who clearly couldn't read (laughs) created this story for you that was so unnecessary. So I encourage anybody that's listening to challenge yourself. In fact, my journal prompts and the cards that I created, shameless plug, they actually are questions. They're all of my affirmation cards. There's an affirmation on the front and then there's card or questions on the back that pertain to them. And there's a journal that I sell on Amazon as well called the Sprinkle Affirmation and Reflection Journal. 
highly recommend if you're doing some soul searching and trying to figure out your place in the world and kind of what you want your ideal life to look like in manifestation, look into those because they ask the right questions that you're going to need on that specific day. They're kind of magical in a way, I feel. I might be biased. Uh, <laughs> they they will ask you, like, is this a story that you made up? And then it will prove to you all the hard things that you did. Like, I believe one of the backs of the card says, name a situation that you thought was impossible and all the ways that you overcame it. You can prove to yourself on a daily basis by asking yourself those questions how to pull yourselves out of existing things that you're going through today that might feel impossible. For example, when my mom died, I was convinced that the world was over. My life was over. Nothing was going to ever improve. It was this dark cloud that lived over me for years. And what I recognize is although it was the worst possible thing that ever happened to me, it was also the best possible thing that ever happened to me because I was very selfish before. All of a sudden I had all this empathy that I didn't recognize or know where it came from because I had gone through something hard. And then I recognized that I could show up differently to improve other people's lives just by being my authentic self. Like how friggin' magical is that? Rather than faking it till you make it. That's another question I want you to ask yourself. When you look on Instagram, how do the people that you follow make you feel? Mm -hmm. And if they don't make you feel the way that Laura's post make me feel, which is pretty fucking shiny (laughs) and magical, I highly suggest that you just ditch them, get rid of them. How many things, how many people do we allow access to our energy, which is sacred, by the way, do not allow anybody to have access to your energy that does not deserve it. You can create boundaries, even on social media on what you're consuming that will make you feel that much better and push you away from that perfectionism. Yeah. Maybe it's not as nice to look at feeds like mine because they're a bit of a mess, but realistically they're real. So do you want real life or do you want fake life? How do you want to show up? Do you want to be authentic? Do you want to be a little bit frou-frou? That's up to you. No judgment either way. But I think people really need to get away from that societal perfectionism that we've been so ingrained because it really takes away from the beautiful, magical moments. Because yes, my mom dying was horrible, but it was also very magical because now I get to set an example for my daughters with what she taught me. We had a beautiful relationship that I was very fortunate to have and now recognize that not many people have with their mothers. Um, I have connections with people that I wouldn't have otherwise had. In fact, one of my clients was the lady who caught me in the emergency room at the hospital when my mom passed away. And I've now helped her transition to estate sales for her family. Like everything in life will come full circle and it's completely backwards to what it appears. That appeared to be the worst thing that ever happened. And it turned out to be the best. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, everything I just, I've been nodding and no one can see this, but I've been nodding <laughs> the whole time. And that's really the power of this aligned leadership is like, we step into our power and our gifts. If we really truly understand ourselves and what is our authentic self, what, who are we underneath all of the conditioning and the layers and all of the things. And then when we come out and we shine our light, we share our truth. We do all the things. It gives other people permission to do the same. Exactly what you're saying is like, you know, watching other people, seeing, seeing how you feel when you're interacting with them, like you are having an energetic exchange with everyone that you follow on social media. How do they make you feel when you, when you scroll by their posts? Do they make you feel empowered, enlightened? Like, do they give you something? Do they give you energy or are they taking away? Mm-hmm. making you feel bad about what it is, what it is that you do or say, or anything like that. Like 
sometimes sometimes those people are either lessons so they can be triggers to to bring you to your next level but sometimes they're just they're just an energetic drain and that yep. and and understanding what is an energetic drain and and you know not following them you know cleaning up the energy around your social media is so 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 important it's like surrounding yourself with that, that group of people, whether you know them in real life or not, even if they're just, yeah, like social media followers, that's, that is so, so key. I I totally agree with all of that. The other thing that I've been doing, hopefully they're not listening. I've been muting other realtors because what I recognized was we all post, you know, oh, I've got this house for sale. I just sold this. I just sold that. And from others' perspective, I appear quite successful on, on, social media, right? Like I'm posting my clients' houses. I'm trying to get activity around them, create that buzz for them. And also for myself, this is how I, this is basically my resume. If we're being honest, that's what social media is. And what I recognized was that watching other people be super successful was affecting my mindset because it somehow made me feel like if they had it, it was taking something away from me. What I recognize now a couple of years into this and like really doing some soul searching is that there's enough for everyone. But at the time I felt like them having a lot meant I didn't have enough somehow. So I, I just muted all of them. I'm still following them, but I muted all of it. And I don't participate in any of their posts because it didn't make me feel good in the moment. Now, instead of doing that, instead of muting them and unfollowing and doing whatever, I actually encourage them on their posts because I feel like the karmic exchange of me building other people up and me recognizing that there's more than enough for everyone is not only going to create better relationships with my colleagues because I want them to do well. I really do. We all have the same end game in mind. Why would I not want you to do well? We're all you know here for the same reason, but it also makes me feel better because I'm like, okay, you saw that they were doing really well. It's possible for you too. It's not taking anything away. And I've really been trying to do some work with my daughters because they are fighting over my attention all the time. Mm-hmm. And they've got the mindset that if one gets attention, it takes away from the other. And the realistic piece of it is you're both different. You're both at different ages. It doesn't mean mommy loves anybody more or less. It's just a different experience because you're both different and really trying to encourage them to embrace that. Like I've been trying to encourage myself to embrace it. <laughs> Yeah. I want to go back to, so before we wrap up, I want to go back to your cards. So I purchased Brittany's cards when she launched them back in the spring and I love them. Like I actually was, it was the winter that you launched them, right? Yeah. 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 I I bought them. I love them. I love how unique they are. So typically when you think of like Oracle cards or, you know, some sort of uh, spiritual card deck, you think of the traditional card size. These are actually complete squares. So they are a different, different size, different look, and they've got some really incredible, incredible journal prompts on them that have really got me thinking about my life, my beliefs, all of those sorts of things. Like they, they have been such a game changer and I do love you. You have become such like a creator, which is our first line. So a lot of people talk about our first line being about knowledge. Like we seek knowledge, we seek knowledge. But we're here to take that knowledge and also your experience through your third line and and create something based on that. Like you take your knowledge and your experience and you create something. And that's often where I feel the one three profile doesn't fully step into their power is they're constantly consuming 
consuming, 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 or they have these experiences, but they're not sharing it. They're not creating something from that. And, and so I love, and I think that's why I, you and I get along so well because we are so in flow with that one, three profile. It's like, we take this knowledge, we take this wisdom, we take our experience and we actually create something from it. We are sharing our voices. We are sharing this knowledge and this wisdom that we've, we've gained through, through our lives. So yeah, I just wanted to call that out that they are absolutely incredible. And and you also have a journal to go along with them too. Yeah. Thank you. The content is the same. So if you buy the cards and you journal in your own journal, that works. If you buy the journal, uh, it's a little less expensive. It's on Amazon. They have like a couple pages that you can journal directly in it. Depends what your vibe is. I prefer cards. I really like cards. So I just bring them wherever. And and I find they call me out. That's the part that I find hilarious. I will pull, let's say like three cards in a day and it'll be the same card every time. So it's almost like the universe is not letting me get off the hook with whatever it is that I'm meant to learn from that particular journal prompt. And I've had a few other people message me directly and be like, okay, you posted this thing online. I got the same card there as what I pulled from your deck myself. Like it's always aligned. So I don't know if there's some sort of like sprinkle that sparkle. Haha. That's the name of my handle online, just in case anyone was wondering, (laughs) but it's like a sprinkle that sparkle kind of energy in terms of it's sprinkled everywhere. Like it, it needs to be heard. It needs to be seen. I love that you use them. And like as a projector, that is the ultimate honor because I know you could totally ask yourself those questions. But one thing I do find as a projector is I'm wonderful at seeing everyone else, but I do struggle to see myself because when you're talking about being a creator, I've felt very called to start sharing something similar to what you did, like almost like a little diary about different experiences that you've had. But I don't, I've had this little imposter syndrome where I'm like, oh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what people will think. I'm afraid of how people will feel about me showing up online. And I'm like, it's funny that we can encourage other people not to feel that way. Meanwhile, we feel it ourselves. Yeah. What I would say is like, I I felt those same things. Like there's like this fear of being seen just like naturally ingrained in us as projectors. And, and we like to be invited into spaces. The way that I've kind of shifted my mindset around that is anyone who chooses to follow me on social media has invited me into their space. I love that. to, To get on, to do a story, to do a reel, to do a post, whatever it is, there is this energetic invitation that has been accepted by them to follow me. And so I take comfort. I take knowing that they, that I'm welcomed into their space. So that's, that's been something that I've personally worked through and, and I, I love that projector clients. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing because I feel someone that's listening to this podcast is going to need to have heard that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the question that I ask all of my guests at the end of the episode. What is your quantum vision? What is your quantum vision for the work that you do in this world? Quantum being like next level. Yeah. Like this, it just is like bigger vision for what it is that you're bringing to this world. I would like to run transformative retreats on a global scale. Mm-hmm. Energetic, energetic exchanges that leave people feeling better than they came. Like my goal in life, my mom taught me this as a child, leave everything a little bit better than how you found it. And I do that everywhere I go. I buy people's coffee in Tim Hortons. I, I've i paid for people's gas sometimes just because I can. Um, I want to make sure that when I die on my headstone, it says she left the world a little better than she found it. 
So on a quantum level, what that means for me in business, I think the retreats would be wonderful. I do want to create some sort of consumable course that talks about manifestation, your mindset. Um, I've been looking into NLP and like EFT techniques and hypnosis. I'm very intrigued by all of that. But like you said, I'm so guilty of consuming all of the content and then putting my own spin on it. But what I'm struggling with right now is I want to consume all the content. So I'm I'm very much in the um, research mode of projectorness. Mm. So I haven't quite figured out exactly what that looks like, but that is the end game goal because I do feel even in my real estate business that relates because people are manifesting their dream homes. Like you talked about many times manifesting the home that you live in. It's it's magical. Like it is absolutely magical. I manifested my perfect cottage this year, like perfection. Literally my client bought it through me in 2018. And I joked that I was going to buy it from her when she went to sell it. And I did <laughs> like the timing was perfect. My husband and I had the money set aside for a renovation we were going to do on our house. We didn't end up doing the renovation. Like those are the types of things that I live for. So I want to teach other people how to manifest, but I don't know that there's someone out there now that's teaching it the way that I would want to teach it. Mm-hmm. That projector vision of the way that you see manifestation. I love it. I love it's it. different. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So how can people find you on social media or reach out to you? Thank you for asking. Uh, they can either look me up at Brittany Schmidt real estate team on Instagram, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-S-C-H-M-I-D-T real estate team, or on my spiritual page, it is at sprinkle.that.sparkle. And you can find me on there. Or if you just Google Brittany Schmidt, it'll be somebody that looks like me, which you can't see because we're not on a screen. (laughs) But you could also reach out to Laura and she'll tell you where to find me. Um, So where do you you sell real estate just for the viewers? uh, I'm in the Kitchener-Waterloo area, uh, Wilmot, basically Waterloo region, anywhere in Waterloo region. If anybody is looking for an intuitive realtor who will tell you if a house has stinky juju, because honestly, people now hire me for that. Um, It's interesting. My last set of clients, we walked into a house and I was like, I hate it here. Like, we don't even have to see the rest of it. I hate it. And they're like, how do you know? Like, let's just go through. And I said, you're going to hate it. And they're like, no, no, it's fine. We like it so far. I'm like, okay. We go into the basement. Yeah, you were right. Let's go. (laughs) It happens every time. But my favorite was when um, somebody bought a house that my clients really did want to offer on. And I encouraged them not to because I had a really bad feeling. And the septic system ended up backing up into the basement and costing the homeowner $40,000. And I just happened to follow them on Instagram and see it. And I sent it to my clients and I'm like, this is what I was talking about. This is, this is the juju that you got to watch out for. Yeah. I actually have a really, so before we bought our house, we were debating on putting an offer on another house. And that day, my husband and I, we were out for dinner and we said, okay, after dinner, we're going to put an offer in on this house. While we were out for dinner, our realtor had emailed us to say another offer is, is, was just put on the house. You have two hours to respond and let us know that like put in your offer. Mm -hmm. And we were out for dinner in that two hour window. So we totally missed it, but thank goodness we didn't put that offer in on the house because what we found out a few months later, because we actually knew the people who bought the house through my mother-in-law, they were friends of my mother-in-law. And what we found out was the house next door ended up having a raccoon infestation and the raccoons were always in the backyard. 
So like, thank goodness, like divine things happen. And we always that house and thank goodness. Thank goodness for you. That's gross. Yeah. Like you just, you know, like even we bought a rental property in 2020, same idea. My client saw it. I kind of stopped paying attention halfway through because she said she wasn't going to offer. Then the agent called me and it was like a mom of one of the kids in my daughter's school. And we were only one of three offers. And we put in like this really weird number and we won by like, I'm not sure, a couple grand. She never told me obviously, because we can't find out the details of the other offer at that time. And she was so thankful that it was us because she knew us. It was familiar. I was a realtor buying it. She was a realtor selling it. It was just really, really bizarre. And I went through probably like 25 different potential tenants. And I put this one lady in here who I just had really good vibes with. And she's also spiritual. And it's been perfection. Like she's been great throughout the whole course of things. Like naturally some things occur and we have to take care of it. But overall, complete match made in heaven. And it's so wild once you learn to lean into your intuition, how that works. Like I was looking at my husband the other day and I'm like, you are the perfect culmination of every man I've ever been with. Like you are exactly all of them in one person. And had I stuck it out with other people who were toxic, I wouldn't be here with you today getting, you know, most of my needs met. I mean, let's be real. Marriage is hard, (laughs) but yeah, it's wild. Like when you lean in and you really listen, I love it. All things intuitive. I'm here for it. Oh, that's so incredible. Well, thank you so much for being on this episode, Brittany. I've learned so much from you and I always enjoy just chatting with you. I feel like this was just a conversation between the two of us. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the invitation. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Empowered Essence. If you loved this episode, don't forget to leave a rating and review on your favorite platform. And until next time, keep shining your light. Bye.